Welcome to Interchange. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Pettit. Interchange was founded inside of Bond, the embedded finance company. This podcast is a place for conversation, questioning, and open learning about the future of embedded finance. Our guest this week is Christina Villavives, CEO at Cladara. That's right, folks. She's back. She's back with a big announcement and a number of updates since our last conversation. And if you missed our first chat, dive into the show notes. I left a link there for you. And with all that, I hope you enjoy my interchange with Christina. Christina, Mm -hmm. welcome back to Interchange. Good to speak to you again. You've changed locations since last time we talked. I think last time we spoke, you were somewhere in, the, in a mountainous, beautiful, hilly area of Spain, and now you're back in the, the busy, bustling, filled with honking London, right? Yes, that's right. We, we came back here. Uh, after all, we do have a very beautiful office and amazing team here in London, so I've been really very, very happy to, to be with them for a little bit. And now, actually, at the end of this week, we are going back to Barcelona for a few weeks, uh, where we have the other office. and. Yeah, hopefully we'll make it to the U.S. very soon to open our third office. So we've done an episode before. We've conversated many times. But to set the stage for listeners, if they haven't necessarily been listening to every single second of interchange as it's been going on, maybe let's set the stage a little bit with who you are uh, and then also what Cladara does. And then we'll get into you know some of the fun stuff and some of what the future holds. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Cristina Vila, the founder and CEO of Cledara. And at Cledara, we help companies manage all their software subscriptions from discovery, payment, management, and then cancellation. Beautiful. And... We discussed in the previous podcast, you're growing like wildfire. Uh, You have a lot of demand overseas and you even hinted at some of the demand that you have in the US. And I think Mm -hmm. it's time to let the cat out of the bag that you all are number one coming to the US and number two that I think Bond is going to be potentially your first customer in the US just so that we can test everything, make sure everything's working and, you know, build this thing together in the truest sense. So the first question is not quite yet getting into the excitement of things, but why? Why are you coming to the US? Were you, were you pulled here? Were you pushed here? What, what is drawing you into this gigantic and insane country? Well, in the end, well, first of all, the US is... The- the biggest market of SaaS. So for a company that wants to help with SaaS, it uh, makes sense that we want to be there. And the other one is the US has a lot of startups and scale-ups and lots of tech companies. And these are the companies that we want to, uh, or that we think can benefit the most today of, of our product. And, and also in, in the US, when... I think you have to be there if you want to own big ideas, right? Mm-hmm. It's the place where things happen. And in Europe, things are going very well. And, and yeah, now we just want to, to be there. We, we just want to be where, yeah, everything happens. Yeah. And I, I would imagine, I mean, just knowing you and knowing Brad, your co-founder pretty well, uh, and understanding at least a little bit of the subset of your client list, I would think there's a list of those folks that are using the Cladara platform overseas that 
have a presence in the U S and have, you know, SAS management and things that they need to do here, but they're not able to do it because the financial piece of the product is not live yet. Right. So it, it seems like you really are being, being pulled by customers saying, you know, we need this yesterday. Why aren't you already in the U S kind of a thing? Yes, indeed. So we do have customers that are on both sides of the Atlantic and they're using Clarara here in Europe and they they want to also be able to use it for their either parent or subsidiary in the US. And currently, unfortunately, we have to say no, which breaks my heart. Uh, but I but yeah. I'm very happy to say that very, very soon we will also be able to to help those those customers. And and yeah, and in the end, you know, when I when I reflect on it, I think it's it's quite strange that in this day and age, fintech companies can still not be global. Yeah. Right. Uh, in the end, if you want to offer a product that has a fintech component, you are limited to the boundaries where, well, you have a partner that you are able to operate with and and until now yeah so we were able to operate in in europe and and uk and thanks to working with bond and companies like bond really you are the ones that are now making it possible for fintech companies to have a different tech stack that we can have access to which for the first time really enables us to look more like tech companies that can be global from day one so it's, um, I think it's a very interesting moment in time now for, for fintech companies. And very, what very. we are trying to do here is really to leverage that inflection point that we are seeing where you are, you know, really seeing the world change as you go through it. Yeah. I mean, even just since the pandemic started, I think it's pretty amazing how much, how much technology has been forced to accelerate, right? And the, this idea that you've talked about before, which is a single banking product or even not even a banking product, just a single single product that allows you to bank globally, I think is the exact way that you phrase it, is a pretty unheard of thing. But if you ask someone that didn't know much about the space, you would probably get an answer that, yeah, of course that exists, right? That, that's why, why is that such a hard thing to do? And to your point about kind of the pond crossing and the ability to be that global business, um, you guys have accomplished a lot with a very, not small amount of money, but comparatively small amount of venture capital and have been able to pull a lot out of a little, in my opinion. And we've seen so many companies cross the pond with huge budgets and basically rebuild everything from scratch here, um, almost building an entirely new business kind of a thing. So the question for me is more so, did you think this was possible? Like two years ago when you were kind of thinking about starting all this, like, did you, did you think, oh yeah, this is going to be easy and straightforward. You're too smart to know that probably, but did you think it was going to be easy? Did you think it was going to be doable? Were there any lessons learned through the process that you would pass on to other founders that are trying to cross the pond? So I definitely, when I started, I didn't think that we would do it so soon, but then having seen the experience that we went through here in Europe, right. Uh, where we also use a banking platform, um, and, you know, it's gone well. It it really helped us move very quickly, and 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 now we've been able to do the same in the US, which is 
great, right? Because it, it does let you, so it, it does let you do it with obviously less capital to start with. And also, I think that there is something about founders focus. And now we are still a very small team, right? Uh, or relatively small team compared to some of those other fintech companies that are bringing products onto right. the US and, you know, deploying a, an army of, uh, you know, 20, 50 people to, to launch a product there. And they spend two years doing market research and trying to figure out what the product should look like. And, and many of them still fail, right? Um, despite all that capital and, and people behind behind those projects. But I think it's precisely that size what sometimes makes it fail, right? Because the bigger you are, the more layers that are in the organization, you don't have necessarily the ultimate decision maker involved on the day-to-day -day of getting those decisions uh, made so that you can move quickly. And, and I think that is that brings more complexity to it all, right? And, and therefore it just takes, just takes longer and you just need more people and you just need then the results of that project need to be bigger because you're spending so much to really validate that that was worth it. So I think it's almost, I think, I wouldn't say a mistake necessarily because lots of companies do it, but not necessarily the right way for everyone. And I think we've proven that, right? Because again, with a small team, Two super focused founders saying, okay, we are going to launch in the US and we are going to do it. And, and you know, a great partner, really, that uh, you've been, you know, Bond has been super supportive at, at helping us launch without even being able to come to, to the US uh, to, to be doing person, right? And, and I think that's, that's really, I think, the, the key, like being able to have two parties that want to make it happen, where decisions are taken quickly, where iteration is fast, and and when there is full focus. It's almost, I mean, it's it's counterintuitive, right? Everything you just said, I think, is the opposite of what most people think is necessary in order to launch a new product, right? It's well, we gotta we gotta hire 50 people before we can even start, you know, thinking about building it. We need pods, we need this, we need that. And the the nimbleness of it allowing you to move quickly is is painfully obvious yet somehow counterintuitive and contrarian in the market so it's it's that's very interesting and i think a good good lesson for founders especially those in the eu and the uk where you know and as i've said before i know brad quite well and got to speak to him during the fundraising process you know it ain't easy you know, it's not like raising money here and then expanding overseas. Raising money there and expanding here is uh, a very different process with a lot, a lot more expectation. But at the same time, it seems like that expectation, if tampered correctly, you can accomplish a lot with a little, it seems like. And it seems like that's what you're doing. I mean, it's amazing that I think now, what are you, pre-series, definitely pre-series B, pretty much pre-series A or series A, depending on series A, yeah. series A. Yeah. Depending on how you, you quantify these things and then, you know, label mm -hmm. these things and to have live, well, to have live products in multiple continents is just absolutely unheard of. So 
I try, you know, being a Bond podcast and everything like that. Like nobody wants to listen to a Bond commercial, but I am genuinely curious because you and Brad and you, you, you two know pretty much everybody in the space. I'm sure you talked to multiple of our competitors. I'm sure you talked to lots of different banks. What was it that made you go with Bond from the beginning? So one is we like to be first, <laughs> right? So, and and we were we were very interested to really do this journey with us of bringing a company from overseas into the US with your platform. So that's something that I think it's massive, and and we want to be part of that journey. And and then the the expertise of the team, like from day one, we were really. Um, very positively surprised with the quality of people that you have in the team. And they've been very, very supportive at helping us navigate the, the differences between the, the two markets, right? Because in the end, yeah, it is different, the, the UK and, and Europe and, and the US. So we need to, we had to learn without being able to be there. We had to learn a lot of those, those differences. And, and the bond team has been just uh, amazing at that. And, you know, the technology, the way in which we are building it is just amazing as well. So I think we, we just want to be part of the, of the winners, right? So <laughs> we want to be there. Well, you know, uh, my love for you guys and how excited I am to be working with you. So, you know, I agree with that. But I think you made an interesting point about the the intricacies in terms of different geographies and how one would build a business in the UK versus... Can we still call it the UK? What are, what are we calling it after yeah, Brexit? Yeah, still, you can call it the UK. still the UK? <laughs> okay. Yes. Word, wording on everything is changing now. You know, you're never sure what you're allowed to say anymore. Um, building something in the UK, building something for the EU, and then this massive jump building something for the US. I'm sure there's a lot of intricacies there, but one that I've kind of been educated a little bit about that's really interesting to me is the difference between debit and credit rails, which... Obviously, I think most listeners will understand one is one and one is the other. We don't need to define either of them. But you're functioning on different rails in different markets. Can you expand on that a little bit? Like why credit in this market? Why debit in this market? And kind of just mm-hmm. how those decisions get made. Why it's not the same everywhere. Yes. Yeah, so the um, so to start, so the in the end, the, the problem we are solving in both markets as Kletara is the same. Right. And, and what we've identified already is that when we, we've talked to a lot of companies already in the U.S. and they have the same problems managing SaaS as the customers and prospects that we have here in, in UK and Europe. And, and that's been that's good, right, because it means that we can leverage a lot of what we have here to now uh, deploy or, or bring a product to market in, in the U.S., but one of the key differences was actually the payment stack, right, in, in Europe. It's mostly a debit market and therefore we started with a debit product because well, that's what companies were expecting and is what they are comfortable with. And then in the US is very much a credit market. Most fintech products are credit, definitely those that are successful. And we didn't want to bring a debit product that then, you know, every customer we have says, hey guys, why are you not credit? So we say, okay, let's go credit first and and then what we are doing on our side is to say well how can the product be this like or almost the same mm-hmm. solving the same issues but just on the background we have 
different yeah payment rails. So one is for debit, one for credit with different providers. And but we can still then essentially remove that complexity from the customer and, and still provide that ability to manage their software stack no matter where they sit in the world, but they can manage it with the same product. And really that's what we are trying to do. And before that was super expensive. If you were building a fintech product, you had to then be a fintech product and sell a fintech product. Mm -hmm. Today, again, with platforms like Bond, you are able to just use the financial element of your product as a feature of your product. And therefore, all that complexity, you need to hide it away from the customer to make it as simple as possible for them. So, so yeah. So that's why, you know, underneath it's different, but we try to still provide that uh, unifying experience. That's fascinating. You know, I, I having done a little bit of sleuthing on it, I, I honestly thought that the answer was going to be more in the direction of, well, this is regulated this way and this is regulated that way. And, you know, the interchange revenue in this place is lower than that place or yada, yada, yada. But it, I would direct folks back to our first episode where you find out that Christina is completely, completely and utterly obsessed with customer discovery, staying close to the customer and just obsessed with your customers in general. And it sounds like this was driven more by that than by some economic output as a result of charging to a credit card versus charging to a debit card. It sounds like you just wanted simplicity and parity to some degree. Exactly. I just want to offer customers the best customer experience that they expect. And obviously, it's this maintaining that unifying thing across different geographies. So I, yeah, for me, that's that's first, because if you can provide that to a customer that has a lot of value, if you think about it now, a company that wants to buy, that has a subsidiary in Europe and wants to buy for software there, they need to and want to have a system to manage it there, they need the separate product to the one that they will be using in the US. And this is friction. Like, why would you want to do that? I mean, in the end, you are using your CRM and it's the same for both markets, probably. And, you know, you have a website and okay, again, you may adapt it a little bit, but in the end, you are using the same stack to, to do it. So why would you not be able to use the same to manage your software? I love it. it. I love it. Well, it's been a long time coming, but we can finally announce it. I mean, this by by the time this episode comes out, you will have a live live card, be it virtual, uh, in mm-hmm. the market, and Cladaro will be functioning in the U.S. And uh, you know, we're off to the races, and I'm very excited to to charge things while I'm working at Bond and then have, you know, my boss yell at me about it because there's finally visibility, (laughs) you know, there's finally the ability to see what we're using and where we're using it and everything else. So I am over the moon that we're working together. I can't wait till you guys can get over the ocean so that I can see you all. Um, Mm -hmm. But just to finish everything up, I suppose, you know, being the partners that we are, I definitely want to give you a chance to number one, uh, do a little Kladara commercial if there's anything that you want to put out in the world. And number two, we've talked a lot about not necessarily having to have a huge team in the U S but I would imagine you might want one, two, three, I don't know how many people here. You already have a wonderful chief marketing officer here. Uh, are you growing out the team here? Where should people go and you know learn more about how they can get involved? 
Yes, absolutely. So, so we will yeah be launching very soon, as you said. The rare bond will become our first uh, customer in in the US, which is super exciting, and and we are looking forward to having many more. We actually had some people already trying to sign up to the platform, and it's not fully ready, but so we have to say wait a little bit. But yeah, it's it's really exciting because we see that the appetite is definitely um, there. Then, in terms of the team, so we have now a, an amazing uh, go-to-market motion here in in Europe and UK and what we what we want to do to start with given that we've been doing everything remotely <laughs> until today is continue a little bit with that hand essentially and and start doing some of that go-to-market from here while we learn what are the key differences potentially on on that uh, sales process. And then what we will do is when we see that we are figuring it out, then we will um, establish a team in the US because after all, with the time differences, it does make sense to be there so that we can um, overlap more with our customers. And as you know, we want to be close to our customers and and yeah, so we will be um, building our team probably from yeah the next couple of months. We'll start putting job uh, ads up there. And if you want to join us in our adventure, then you can definitely find those positions in uh, our website in the careers page at cledara.com or you can reach out to us directly on LinkedIn. We are always looking at it as well and quite responsive. So just uh, reach out. I love it. Well, I will link to all that in the show notes. I'll put your LinkedIn on there. I'll put Brad's LinkedIn on there just so people can bug him too. Um, I'm excited. This, nice. is, this feels like, you know, it's it's not a long time coming as far as build goes, but, you know, having met you guys personally in a different life when I wasn't even at Bond, it feels like a long time coming for us to truly be able to work together. So I'm excited. I can't wait to can't wait to have this thing out in the market. I guess by the time this is live, it is out in the market. But thank you, Christina. Always a blast. Always super fun. And uh, it's very late where you are. So go have a go have an adult beverage and take a take it easy the rest of the evening. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Zach. And always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Interchange with Christina Villavives, CEO at Cladara. Dive into the show notes to dig in more and find out everything about what Cladara and Bond are doing together. Interchange was founded inside a Bond to benefit the developers, product owners, and executives at brands working inside the next generation of financial services. We hope that you're learning, enjoying, and maybe even laughing along. We love this world and we're passionate about every piece of it. Let us know what you'd like to learn more about, who you'd like to hear from, and what's getting you out of bed in the morning in this wild world of fintech in which we live. If you'd like to learn more about Bond, please reach out. You can get a hold of me at Zach at Bond.tech. Let's start a conversation. Check out the show notes and the Bond blog for a deeper dive if you're still listening and just can't get enough. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and a rating in your favorite podcast app. Until our next interchange.